Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode of the Front Office Podcast, we talk about Wild Card Weekend. And we look to the divisional rounds of the NFL playoffs, plus other sports news. Welcome back to another episode of the Front Office Podcast. Man, what a crazy wild card weekend. Um, It was challenging in itself. It was challenging as a Raider fan. It was challenging for a lot of different teams. Peyton and Eli Manning, they had another great uh, simulcast on the ESPN network. Y'all need to have me on there, Peyton and Eli. Yeah, Larry Fitzgerald and Russell Wilson, the Dwayne uh, Johnson, The Rock, and they were all entertaining. They were asking some great questions. But y'all need to have me on there now because I'd keep that party going. Eli had his death row records uh, chain on that Stoop sent over to him. So that was... Um, very entertaining to see Eli Manning with a death row chain. Um, looking forward to Dr. Dre and Eminem and Snoop, Mary J. Blige and uh, Kendrick Lamar for the halftime show of the Super Bowl game. The Tampa Bay Bucks <clears throat> uh, beat Philadelphia 76ers. I think all of my teams lost in my predictions. Kansas City, Wild Pittsburgh, Cincinnati beat the Raiders. Well, I knew Tampa was going to beat Philly, but I did say that Philly might end up uh, upsetting them. And the Rams uh, beat the Cardinals. The Bucks win. Um, there was an incident in that game. Uh, a player for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Andrew Adams, was in a scrummage with the Philadelphia Eagles. And Bruce Arians came out, tried to pull him off of the pile, and pretty much slapped him in the head. And all that came into my mind was Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown keeps popping up in my head for some reason. Remember, he had an issue with John Gruden and Mike Mayock, called them a derogatory name. Right? Right? Come to find out, John Gruden had sent racist and homophobic emails. Which means that Antonio Brown was on to something. Right? Just think about that. When a black person calls a white person uh, uh, a Ritz. (laughs) That has race show or racist undertones. Can we agree with that? When a black person calls a white person that name, not a potato chip. There's some racism there, correct? I mean, 
I don't know. That's what I think. Um, but he did call John Gruden and or Mike Mayock that name after he was going through his issues with the Raiders and then the Raiders released them. All I'll say is this. Keep your hands to yourself. Because Adams can't retaliate. If someone slaps me in the back of my head, what am I going to do? I'm going to turn around and, and, and do the same thing, right? I was listening to the TNT staff, Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, Shaq, and Ernie Johnson. And they were um, um, just reflecting on Martin Luther King. And the panel all said, and I agree, that living back in those times, you know, pre-80s, getting hit with batons and getting sicked on by dogs and drinking from a different water fountain and not being able to go in different restaurants because of the color of your skin and just getting beat up and spit on. As a human, I'm going to retaliate from that. Adams couldn't retaliate because had he retaliated, what would have happened? He would have got cut, right? He loses his job. Look what happened to Antonio Brown. So you can't slap me in the head as a disciplinary action. You can't do that because I'm going to punch you back in retaliation. Article came out about the incident. And this is what the article on Yahoo said. It was no regrets for Arians when meeting his last name's Arians. <laughs> When meeting with reporters on Monday, attributing his behavior to Adams being dumb when attempting to pull an Eagles player away from the pile that developed following a muff punt. And now you're calling me dumb? So you're slapping me on the head, and the reason why you slapped me on the head, your reasoning is because I'm dumb. Because you're so smart. It's the heat of the battle. One of my players is in a skirmish. I may pull that player off. You know, players retaliate. Aaron Donald and the Cardinals um, offensive lineman got into a little skirmish yesterday and there was a penalty involved, you know. Um, but you're slapping me on the head and you're calling me dumb. That's that's kind of problematic to me. The NFL is reviewing it. I don't know what's going to happen. They do tell you what uh, these players go through as far as fines and suspensions and all that. But when it's when it's coaches in front office I don't think they really give too much detail on that so Bruce Arians we're watching you bro from here on out and yes I'm sensitive to white men slapping black men on the head and calling them dumb I am sensitive to that and I don't want this podcast to always seem to be on on racism topics or race relations or things of that sort but when things like that happen it it only makes me wonder you know, think about it like this, parents. If someone slapped your son or daughter on the head and called them dumb, how would you feel? Just let that sink in a little bit. Coach, employer, whoever, and you made a mistake and they slap you on the head because he did something dumb. When you already have a history, when Antonio Brown already said some things, you, you, you made him want to go back into the game because he was hurt. And when he said no, you pretty much said you're done. 
it, it, it kind of makes me wonder sometimes, is Antonio Brown crazy crazy? Or is he just crazy? Or is he just speaking out, speaking his mind that others probably should do? I'm not sure. But I will be watching Bruce Arians going forward. Like, you can't be doing that, man. Like, you can't. Like, y'all got to get y'all act together, for real. It's, it's, it's like crazy. There's a t-shirt floating around. And it was it's something in the, in the you know, sounds of, dear racism, I am not my grandparents. Sincerely, these hands. And, yeah, you, you slap me on the head and calling me dumb makes me want to, like, fight. Seriously. But moving on. The Cowboys lost to the Niners in epic fashion. Um, the last play of the game, no timeouts, Dak Prescott um, caused quarterback sneak, which was a great play. But it was just a little bit too late. That probably could have been the play before. I don't know. They had no timeouts. The ref had to uh, spot the ball, and they ran out of time. And I, I understand the play, but they did march down the field on like three other plays, no timeouts, out of bounds, 40 yards. And they were trying to get one more play inside the 30 to be able to chuck it. And and that was a good play, but that was, you know, it was nothing you can really do about it. I think the problem that I have with the Cowboys, and make no mistake about it, remember you guys, I'm a Raider fan, right? But there's nothing worse there's two other fans that are worse than Raider fans. Niner fans and Cowboy fans. Seriously. And of course I'm biased. But at the same time, to see the looks on the faces of a lot of those Cowboy fans that are now becoming memes, it didn't bring pleasure to me. It just, I felt their pain because they were so close. I felt their pain. Jerry Jones needs to give up some of that power to that team. He's the owner and uh, general manager. So he makes all of the decisions. He's the only owner who makes all of the general manager decisions. And he has to relinquish a lot of that power. You know, Tony Romo and, and those guys were able to not so much get away with things, but have long and illustrious careers because they were in they were Jerry's friend. Those coaches, Mike McCarthy, they have no power because all you got to go do is, oh, I don't like what you're saying, coach. I'm going to go talk to Jerry because Jerry's going to override you in any decision. Jerry Jones needs to give up some of that power. He needs to step back and let a GM do a job, and he needs to just sit up in his box, and that's it. Like, seriously, he does. As far as the 49ers, I got them going into Green Bay next week and beating them. Yep. I have the Rams. Well, we'll talk about the Rams in a minute. The Niners did an exceptional game. They had to play an exceptional game. Um, running the ball is their forte. Elijah Mitchell is is that dude. When Raheem Mostert gets back, they're going to have a wonderful um Two, two backfield players. I said that wrong, but who cares? 
and I don't think they're going to be uh, they're going to be unstoppable. Debo Samuel Samuels is a great wide receiver slash running back. He may be the best wide receiver in the game. Like seriously, he he may be because you can't stop Debo. So I'm looking for the Niners to um, beat the Pack. I'm looking for the Rams to beat Tampa, and then the NFC Championship, San Francisco at LA, is going to be amazing. I don't know who's going to win that game yet. So I'll do that on the next episode. My Raiders lost to Cincinnati. There was a referee. I won't call them a mistake because it was still a touchdown. Joe Burrow was um, scrambling out of bounds and his, he chucked the ball into the end zone for a touchdown to Jamar Chase. But that was after a whistle had been blown. So that play should have been dead. Cincinnati would have kicked a field goal as opposed to that touchdown. And then that last drive by the Raiders would not have ended up in Derek Carr being short of the end zone, which I'll touch on in a second. But the Raiders would have been going for the game-tying field goal, which um, Dan Carson would have probably made, and we would have won the overtime, just like a bunch of our other games. That referee um, team is no longer refing any of the playoffs, which means they did something incorrect, right? Which means that my Raiders should be still alive in this playoffs. I'm proud of the way they played. They did not go to Cincinnati and lay an egg, which was in the back of my mind and, and a little scary. They they held their own without their top cornerback, Trayvon Mullen, who I hope gets back healthy and plays next season. He's had like two or three injuries over the course of his two-year career, so he needs to start staying, staying healthy. Same thing with Jonathan Abram. He can't stop the pass, but he's a beast on the run. Um Trayvon Maring is going to get another year under his belt. Nate Hobbs, the same thing. The future's looking mighty bright. Mike Mayock was fired. The aforementioned Mike Mayock. Remember, he was John Gruden's call. He was there with John Gruden. Not saying that he was a bad hire, because I think Mike Mayock is, is pretty good at player evaluation. But it was time to make a change. It was time to... to move on from the John Gruden life. Uh, John's son is still on the sideline, I see. Um, it's not his fault, so maybe he should still keep his job. I think he's like in strength and conditioning and things of that sort. Um, but if your dad feels a certain way, 10 times out of 10, the son feels a certain way. In my book, I don't know. I think like my dad, which I probably shouldn't. <laughs> Just kidding, dad. He wants to come on this episode too, so I'm going to have him come on here and you guys can can hear how crazy he is. Um, the Raiders are, are interviewing coaches and I have some ideas. I think first of all, and I said this in past episodes that Lewis Riddick should be the general manager. If you listen to him on Monday night football, he is, is an exception, exceptional in player evaluation. Um, I think that, and all the players love and respect him from across the league. And I think that he can get the respect to, of those players in Las Vegas, which is neat. They need a father figure, so to speak. Someone that can really grab them by the face mask, not slap them in the head. And not literally grab them by the face mask, but really talk to these guys and get the respect that is needed in that locker room. 
I think a Lou Riddick hiring. I think a Brian Flores from the old Miami coach, the young Miami coach, defensive mind, which should be our head coach going forward. Rich Basaccia should go back to, to special teams. He did an exceptional job. The team loves him. He could still be the head coach, and I wouldn't be mad if they kept him. But he already has a locker room, and now he can be an alliance with the new head coach going forward. Um, I would love to see Brian Flores. I don't want Eric Bieniemy. I think our offensive side is okay. Um, but I think that we need a defensive-minded coach because if we get a defensive-minded coach, then that defense will not fall for the things that they've been fall- falling for. I'm not sure on the quarterback. Um, I'd like us to trade Derek Carr to Houston straight up for Deshaun Watson. I know Deshaun has a lot of things going on, um, so I don't know how that would work. But if he can get past the incidents that he was going through, I don't know. I don't even want to touch on, on that. Um, but I think Deshaun Watson might be perfect in our offense if Brian Flores and Lou Riddick can be there with him because they can kind of help him navigate through the rest of his career. Uh, another name floating around is Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson coming to the Raiders. I think Aaron's not under contract, so he can freely come to the Raiders with his wide receiver, uh, Devontae Adams. I would love to see both of those guys in Raider uniform. If Aaron doesn't come to um, the Raiders, Devontae Adams sure can. And if he needs to team back up with his college coach, college quarterback, Derek Carr, then I'll definitely be okay with that. I'm not selling Derek Carr unless I'm upgrading. And the only upgrades a Derek Carr is, I'm not trading him for Russell Wilson, first of all, because Seattle's going to want too much for Russell. I love Russell. But if it's a straight-up swap, cool. Or if it's Derek Carr and a third for Russell Wilson, cool. If it's Derek Carr and a second for Aaron Rodgers, who's a free agent, which means we don't have to give up anything, cool. Or Deshaun Watson. Those are the three quarterbacks that I would love on the Raiders roster next year. If not, I'm cool with Derek Carr coming back. But Derek needs to learn how to run a little better. We didn't use Marcus Mariota um, in in the wild card game for Cincinnati. And those are some goal line um, plays that we could have used to get touchdowns instead of field goals. So I'm not sure how that's going to continue. Congratulations to Matt Stafford, the Los Angeles Rams, to Odell Beckham Jr., who had a great game. Matt Stafford won his first playoff game in his 11-year career. He was 0-3 for the Detroit Lions. And everyone was saying, well, it's the Detroit Lions. Yeah, but they were a playoff team. So they didn't suck the years that they went to the playoffs. He did have Calvin Johnson, right? Um, The Rams look pretty good. Cam Akers looks pretty good coming back from that uh, ACL injury six months ago. Um, he laid a hammer on Buda Baker, and I hope Buda Baker's okay. You know, he he hit him perfectly head to head, and and Buda was out. So I hope Buda's okay. Um, like I said, I got the Niners at the Rams for the NFC Championship. In the AFC Championship, I've got Cincinnati beating Tennessee. I just don't believe in Tennessee. I knew the Raiders were going to beat Tennessee, and we got through Cincinnati, but we didn't. 
and it's time to move on for me. I just can't right now. And then Kansas City and Buffalo, that's going to be an exciting game. I got Kansas City pulling that out. So Cincinnati at Kansas City, Kansas City in the AFC Championship. And it's probably going to be Kansas City and the Rams. That's what I'm picking. In the NBA, Kevin Durant is out six weeks. A knee, a knee sprain, MCL sprain. One of his teammates fell into his leg. And I think this will be a good time for Kyrie Irving to really show out. I know he can only play on the road games or outside of the state of New York due to the New York State um, restrictions. He's adamant that he is still not going to get vaccinated, which is totally his right, and I'm totally okay with that. Um, One thing that I was talking to, I think, Keith about, um, it's you have the right to not get vaccinated, to get vaccinated, anything that you want to do. The only problem I have with those who are not vaccinated is they're getting fake vax cards. <laughs> hey, keep that same energy. You know, I, I shouldn't see you in those restaurants if you're not vaccinated because those are the rules. So let's abide by the rules. Um, I, I'm not judging you. Do do you like seriously? And And it's OK. And I, I don't won't even look at you different. Why would I? That's your right to choose to not get vaxxed or to get vaxxed. But if a restaurant is saying, hey, you need to be vaxxed to come up in here, then you just can't eat at that restaurant. Imagine how that feels to not be able to eat at a restaurant. Oh, my goodness. Kyrie Irving had 27, nine and seven. Um, his last game against Cleveland. Um, they are playing their next 11 of 15 on the road. So that'll give him plenty of time to get his, his sea legs um, back. But those Cleveland Cavaliers, you guys, I keep telling you about them. They've won seven out of 10. J.B. Bickerstaff is a definite coach of the year uh, consideration. They're not the only team that's hot, though. Miami is coming up. They got a Bam out of bio back. Um, they've also won seven out of 10. Toronto and Boston both won seven out of ten, and the Charlotte Hornets have won seven out of ten. I'm, I'm I'm happy for those guys. I'm happy for Miles Bridges. He had 38 and 12 the other night. Pierre, Edward, Bellamere, and Matthew, Joseph. You may not know those names because I don't talk hockey much. <clears throat> they are NHL teammates of the Tampa Bay Lightning. They wrote an excellent article about Willie O'Ree and his jersey retirement. For those of you who don't know, he was the first black NHL player in Boston, nonetheless. And he's getting his number or his jersey retired. In their article, they say there's the Hockey Hall of Fame, the ultimate recognition for a career in our sport. And there are jersey retirements, the ultimate recognition of what a player means to a franchise, a fan base, and a community on and off the ice. Willie O'Ree is getting his number retired, and the fact that he only played in a handful of games, I think 54, is amazing. Didn't even have a long career with that team, but the fact that he probably had to deal with so much. Remember they said we couldn't play 
hockey because we have weak ankles. <laughs> I don't know how these things are happening, but as far as um, what doctor stated that, because I guess, you know, CP3 will break anyone's ankles, black or white. <laughs> Allen Iverson did too. Tim Hardaway with that killer crossover did too. I think everybody has weak ankles if they step on something and twist it the right way. But these two teammates wrote an excellent article. And if you guys ever get a chance to do that or read that, um, it's, it's a great read. Seeing the NHL's first black player honored in this way is a chance for hockey, the hockey community to reflect on everything attached to being the first from the obstacles Willie faced to the hope he inspired in so many people who have never seen themselves represented on hockey's biggest stage. He's a Jackie Robinson of hockey. You know, youth hockey is, is huge. And I think that watching this go up in the rafters of the Boston Bruins next to the, you know, cause in Boston, Byron, you know, this in Boston, they have all of their retired jerseys, all of their um, um, championships for both the Celtics and the Bruins. So for him to be able to um, have his, his Jersey up there and think about this folks, Bill Russell was winning championships in the Celtic with the Celtics and, and spoke of the, the, the racism that he endured while bringing championships to the team, you know, imagine in hockey, the difference. You're not even winning. Well, I don't know if Boston Bruins were winning back then. They probably were, but he wasn't getting much ice time. Think about it like that. And he was the first. Bill Russell wasn't the first and was still dealing with it. So 45 games, that's what he played. People sometimes use that statistic to downplay Willie's legacy, legacy and claim he doesn't deserve to have his jersey retired. The thing is, when they stop counting at 45, they're missing the point. 45 is just the base. Without Willie, who knows where Tony McKigney and Grant Fuhrer and Jerome McNala and P.K. Subin would be without that. Think about that. Think about what he had to go through. Think about in, in, in a game like hockey, think about that. Makes me want to put on some some ice skates and, and go uh, on a skating rink. But my ankles are weak. <laughs> Let y'all tell it. A couple of other things have come across the sporting news in the last couple of days um, that I failed to mention. Odell Beckham has received a $500,000 bonus for winning for the Rams winning that divisional or wild card playoff game. If he wins, if the Rams win the divisional round, Odell Beckham is in line for a $750,000 bonus. Not bad for two games. Odell Beckham seems like he's found a new life after Cleveland and seems like the Rams look to be a formidable force continuing in the playoffs looking forward to seeing what the wild card or the divisional round happens against uh, the Buccaneers Lonzo Ball 
is deciding on whether to have surgery on his knee with a meniscus tear. I'm hopeful to see Lonzo get back into the game as well as uh, Zach Levine. The Bulls are still riding that number one seed, but I say go ahead and get it done now and be ready for the playoffs. Uh, Kyrie Irving was fined $25,000 for obscene language towards a fan. I, I heard that language. Pretty much it was y'all happy, y'all ungrateful because I got y'all a ring. Fran, fans are heckling Kyrie when Brooklyn was in Cleveland. And Cleveland should be happy that they got their ring because, you know, no one wanted to be in Cleveland. Now it's crazy that Cleveland may be a destination city with the youth movement that they're on. We talked about Bruce Arians earlier in the podcast. The NFL has levied a $50,000 fine for slapping one of the players on the back of the head. When they asked Arians if he felt bad about it, he said no, and he's going to appeal it. That's going to get interesting. Maybe not. I think sometimes uh, you got to just take your punishment and deal with it. Russell Westbrook was benched for the last three and a half minutes of the Laker game. Uh, Looks like there's some craziness going on in L.A. after a 30-point-plus-odd loss. Um, Frank Vogel is on the hot seat. Um, So we're going to see what happens with the Lakers going forward. Westbrook was 5 for 17 from the field, even though he had a massive slam on Rudy Gobert. It's funny that DeMar DeRozan wanted to come to the Lakers, but they instead chose to go after Russell Westbrook in a trade uh, with Washington. And speaking of Washington, they were in a tough game with Brooklyn, lost by one point. With about three minutes left in the game, Kyle Kuzma was set up in the corner three, and a Brooklyn assistant coach, David Vanterpool, touched the ball while it was getting passed to Washington. Washington lost by one point, and that one point could have been caused by the assistant coach touching the ball. There's nothing that Washington could have done because they had used their final challenge of the game. But on things like that, I think the game should or the, the game should change just a little bit to accommodate those types of errors. And especially with a team like Washington who will be trying to Um, secure a playoff seed. Those one games kind of make a big difference. And I just hope that going forward, something like, I mean, they can't change the game outcome, but they sometimes, they should be able to uh, make a judgment call regardless with all the cameras that are happening or with all the cameras that are, are in the arena. They should be able to make, different judgment calls based on things like that. Assistant coach should not be able to affect the game by touching a ball, making it go out of bounds, or making it um, change possessions. And finally, if you get the chance, ABC, the network, uh, has a television show on like a six-part series called Women of the Movement. It's about the Emmett Till story. For those of you who don't know the story, Emmett Till was a 14-year-old black Chicago kid, went down to Mississippi to visit his family, whistled at a white woman, and was brutally 
tortured and killed. Um, it's crazy that earlier in the podcast, I talked about the use of the N-word. And I was shocked that ABC allowed the N-word to be used so frequently. But not shocked in a negative way. I was actually inspired. I was actually proud of ABC for allowing the use of the N-word to be used on network television. As crazy as that sounds, it made me want to, it, it gave people the, the firsthand view of how that word was used just so regularly and, for, and so familiar towards black folks. And it's a sad story of Emmett Till, the, the two men who killed him, you know, uh, were acquitted of those charges, later on confessed to those charges, but of course nothing happened. Um, I read somewhere that they changed their names or their children changed their names and things of that sort. It's funny because at the beginning of the episodes, in the credits, they're showing like hangings and lynchings and groups of, of, of white folks like taking pictures in front of black people who are hanging from trees. And I just wonder who those people are, who their children are, who their grandchildren are, because they're alive today. And just would wonder who's doing the research on trying to figure out. I know there wasn't facial recognition, you know, back in the early 1900s, 1800s, 1700s, 1600s, however far back you want to go. But I wonder how some of those people feel about that's their grandpa <laughs> in those pictures being, you know, a part of those lynchings. Um, if you get a chance, go look at Women of the, Women of the Movement on ABC. It's, it's, it's going to tear at you. But at the same time, it's much need, much CTV. Um, I went to the African American Museum in Washington, D.C., and they had an exhibit on Emmett Till and the bravery and the strength that his mother showed having an open casket for everyone to see what they did to her child, her baby, was strength and courage. Um, we'll talk about some of those things in our next episode. Mark J. Spears did an excellent, excellent write-up about Malcolm Brogdon. There's an excellent article on ESPN about the minority or lack of minority hiring in the NFL where diversity and inclusion are supposed to be prevalent. So we'll touch on those things. I have a few guests I'm trying to line up for the next few episodes. So just wanted to just keep the fire going, keep the podcast lit. Appreciate you all <clears throat> for following, listening. You can follow us front office GM on Instagram. Um, one day I'm going to read some of the <laughs> messages I receive. They're, they're always positive. So there's there's never any any hate on it. Um, that's me knocking on some wood right now. But, hey, it's all good. Keep loving each other. Be safe out there, y'all. Why are they looking for the excuse? What is it about the Negro? 
in every other group that came as an immigrant somehow, not easily, but somehow got around it? Is it just the fact that Negroes are black? That's a part of it. And growing, that grows out of something else. You can't thingify anything without depersonalizing that something. If you use something as a means to an end, at that moment you make it a thing and you depersonalize it. The fact is that the Negro was a slave in this country for 244 years. That act, uh, that was uh, a willful thing that was done. The Negro was brought here in chains, treated in very inhuman fashion. And this led to the thingification of the Negro. So he was not looked upon as a person. He was not looked upon as a human being with the same uh, status and worth as other human beings. And the other thing is that human beings cannot continue to do wrong without eventually uh, rationalizing that wrong. So slavery was justified morally, biologically, uh, theoretically, scientifically, everything else. And it seems to me that white America must see that no other ethnic group has been a slave on American soil. Uh, that is one thing that other immigrant groups haven't had to face. The other thing is that the color became a stigma. American society made the Negro's color a stigma. And uh, that can never be uh, overlooked. So I think these things are absolutely necessary. The other thing is that America freed the slaves in 19... I mean, 1863, through the Emancipation Proclamation of Abraham Lincoln, but gave the slaves no land or nothing in reality, and as a matter of fact, to, to get started on. At the same time, America was giving away millions of acres of land in the West and the Midwest, which meant that there was a willingness to give the white peasants from Europe an economic base. And yet it refused to give its black peasants from Africa who came here involuntarily in chains and had worked free for 244 years any kind of economic base. And so emancipation for the Negro was really freedom to hunger. It was freedom uh, to the winds and rains of heaven. It was freedom without food to eat or land to cultivate. And therefore it was freedom and famine at the same time. And when white Americans tell the Negro to lift himself by his own bootstraps, they don't, oh, they don't look over the legacy of slavery and segregation. I believe we ought to do all we can and seek to lift ourselves by our own bootstraps. But uh, it's a cruel jest to say to a bootless man that he ought to lift himself by his own bootstraps. And many Negroes, by the thousands and millions, have been left bootless as a result of all of these years of oppression and as a result of a society that deliberately made his color a stigma and something worthless. <laughs>
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.